Hallelujah. Father God, we thank you for your presence, Lord God. We thank you for allowing us to be here, Lord God. We thank you for the word that went forth, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, for everything that you're doing in our lives. And we pray, Father, that you continue to cover. You got to clap and excited for the victory you have in him. Victory in your circumstance, victory in your health, victory in your relationships, your marriage, on your job, and your finances. You ought to be excited because you have victory in him. Hallelujah. Well, blessed beloved, welcome to the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. If this is your first, second, or even third time with us, for my sake and my sake only, I won't ask you to do nothing crazy. Amen. Other than lift your hand. If this is your first, second, or third time with us in our worship, amen. Amen. Any others today? First, second, or third? Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Welcome to Elevate. So glad that you have decided to worship with us today. Just a bunch of crazy people who love Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. And doing our best to advance the kingdom of God in all that we do with excellence. So you may be startled in this moment. So I'm prepping you now. Brace yourself. Elevate. That didn't wake your neighbor up. Elevate! So I hope you're awakened by now. Because if you fall asleep, elevate! Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Amen. Welcome again. Those of you who are viewing online today, thank you for tuning in. You could have tuned into any other broadcast, but you decided to tune into our worship broadcast on this morning so we thank God for each of you on today let's get into the word of God today because there is a word from the Lord I believe that it's going to bless you on today amen we've been in the sermon series entitled restored somebody shout restore me restore me there's a true story of a a man who was at a banquet he was a famous uh, religious leader and he found himself at this banquet and at this banquet he, there was a young lady who was gladly dressed uh, in front of him. And uh, so he offered up to this lady an apple. And the lady smiled at him wondering why would she give him an apple at this banquet. And he said, no, really, take the apple. So the lady took the apple and he said, you know, it was at this moment when Eve received the apple and bit into it, she realized how naked she was. It's so often that we have to understand that God wants us in transparency and nakedness. So today I want to talk about restoration of your nakedness. Grab your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter number 4. It's where we'll begin reading. And then we'll land ourselves in Genesis chapter number 2. As you're finding those passages of scriptures, if you would, would you stand to your feet along with me? First Peter chapter number four and verse number eight and Genesis chapter number two, verse number twenty five. When you have it, say amen. Nobody has it yet. Praise God. Get this. Good thing this wasn't a Bible drill. Amen. First Peter chapter number four, Genesis chapter number two, verse number 25. If you have it, say amen. amen. It's okay to talk back at me. If you're still looking for it, say hallelujah. hallelujah. A lot of lookers. Amen. If you're waiting for me to put it on the screen, say thank you, Jesus. 
bad example for our guest today. Amen. Let's make our faith declaration, if we would. If you would, repeat these words after me. Today I'll be taught the word of God. My spirit is ready. My mind is sharp. I believe the word. The word is truth. It is without error. I believe what the word says. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. I believe what the word says about me. I am redeemed. I am the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. I am healed. No sickness nor disease shall come near my home. I'm more than a conqueror. I am rich. Wealth and riches shall be in my house. Prophesy that over your neighbor. Say, wealth and riches shall be in your house. Your other neighbor is feeling lonely. Talk to them. Say, wealth and riches shall be in your house. Shout, I'm blessed to be a blessing. My house is blessed. My children are blessed. My marriage is blessed. My church is blessed. I'm blessed. Now shout amen. amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you would. First Peter chapter number four. Amen. If I can get some connectivity in the back. First Peter chapter number four, verse number eight. The word of the Lord declares, and above all things have fervent love for one another. Fervent love. Fervent love. Don't just love one another. There should be a fervency, an endearing, an engripping, an outreaching love, a tenacious love. Have a tangible love, not just in words. Oh, I love you with the love of God. God don't want you to love people with the love of God. He wants you to love people with the love he has placed in you. Because we could just bypass and say, I love you with the love of God. And that removes us from the action and we put it all on God. What role do you play in love? <laughs> it has to go from God's love through you to somebody else. So you have to be accountable for love. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, I love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Have a fervent love for one another. Watch. For love will cover a multitude of sin. Love will cover a multitude of sin. Adam and Eve in the garden, they were naked and under shame. That's how God created us to be. Naked and unashamed. Dance over to Genesis chapter number two, and I'm done with this text on this morning. It says, and they both were naked, the man and his wife, and watch, and were not ashamed. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, God, that you have created us to be transparent, even translucent, so even our motives, God, can be seen through. Our hearts and our intents, God, can be seen even by others because of this nakedness. For you know all things, God. 
And for such, God, we give you the glory and the praise. In Jesus' mighty name, somebody shout amen. amen. On your way to your seat, why don't you slap an air high five with your neighbor. Say, I'm naked, I'm naked. but covered by his grace. Covered by his grace. I want to take my time through the text this morning uh, because I'm going to take you to a place that we're all familiar with. But I want to pull some truths out of the text that I believe would be something that will propel you into a place and a fashion that you will go deeper in God. You experience more of God and the grace of God will manifest even the greater upon your life. And the glory of God be revealed. I pulled these quotes up from some fashion designers, and one of the quotes that I pulled up is that fashion fades, style is eternal. Fashion fades, but style is eternal. What you wear is how you present yourself to the world. That's a good one by Prada. It says, what you wear is how you present yourself to the world. Here's another one for you. Fashion is the armor to survive the reality of everyday life. God has clothed you and dressed you. And he has placed upon you when you have received Christ the robes of righteousness of which becomes your armor. To help you survive through everyday life. We're going to dig in Genesis in the beginning Uh, Quite a bit this morning, and uh, I hope that you can stay with me because many of you are thinking right now, man, I've read Genesis time and time again. But hang on in there. In Genesis chapter number three, verse number seven, verse number seven, it says, and the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And y'all are very familiar with this text. We know in this account, Adam and Eve, it's in the garden. God forms and fashions Adam out of the dust of the earth. And he commissions Adam with this command. He says, you can eat of anything in the garden except for the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He tells Adam, somebody shout, he told Adam. After which he puts Adam to sleep, pulls out a rib, forms and fashions. This woman wakes Adam up and Adam looks around and he sees, whoa, a woman. That's why she's called whoa, man. Whoa. Hey. What's your name? If I was in Detroit right now, I'd just go, psst. That's for my Detroit people, you know. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know. So he forms and fashions this woman. And then along, as time goes on, Satan encounters Adam and Eve. But he talks to Eve. And he says, Eve, did God really say what he said? He questions the integrity of God's word. And because Eve was a byproduct of information, you know how it is when one story is transmitted from one mouth to another ear, from one mouth to another ear. Sometimes 
the story gets a little skewed. If I were to ask you right now or tell you a story, by the time that story would get from this row all the way to the other row, what I said was blue would be green. Because sometimes in a translation, stuff gets lost. So Satan, instead of him encountering Adam, the original source of the information, he goes to the byproduct. He goes to Eve. Because, you know, Satan really doesn't want to deal with the truth. He only want to deal in half truths. So he goes to Eve and he challenges the integrity of God and says, did God really say what he said? Because, you know, if God uh, really was who he said he was, he would not say that. He's just questioning God's integrity. And Eve, of course, only getting secondhand information goes, well, you know, God said this and he said that, but it really wasn't what God really said because she only had secondhand information. Y'all know how it goes. She said, God said that we can eat of all the trees, but we're not to touch the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Can I tell you something? God never said not to touch. He said not to eat. Y'all tracking pretty slowly this morning. God never said not to touch the tree. He said not to eat of the tree. So in the translation, from one mouth to another ear, something got lost. God's original intent. So Satan provokes Eve. Now watch, catch it. He's able to talk to Eve because Adam was out of place. Uh, Adam was there, but he wasn't really there. You know, kind of like a phantom father. He's in the house, but he's not really in the house. Adam was present, but his presence wasn't felt. How do I know? Because Satan has this whole conversation with Eve about what God said and Adam sitting there in the presence of this conversation and he says absolutely nothing. Now, Adam knows the truth, but he won't stand for truth. Uh, before you begin to judge Adam, how many of us know the truth, but we won't stand for the truth? That when we hear uh, the untruth in front of us, we just sit there quietly and don't say nothing. So Adam is there and he's hearing this conversation and he knows what God said, but he would not even confront. So the moment that Eve eats of the apple, nothing happens. Why? Because God always deals with the, the initial truth. So nothing happens. So she turns, as the text says, she turns to her husband and he bites of the fruit. Did I say apple? I did. I said apple. We're just going to go with apple because it's very, very good illustration. But truth of the matter is that we don't know if it was an apple, or orange, a pear, a peach. It was fruit. But I do believe that the fruit that the text speaks of was not even a tangible fruit, but a fruit of the spirit. Because 
God always intended us to be led by the spirit of God and not by your flesh. Not by some tangible thing, but by a supernatural thing. Can you say amen to that? Okay, okay. So we're just going to call it an apple just for this day because that's what y'all used to. You know, the picture of the apple of Adam and Eve biting the apple. Because, you know, really it's a good illustration because an apple is luscious. You ever seen a pretty red apple? And you just bit into it. It just crunches in your mouth. And when it's real good, the juice just kind of rolls down. You. That's what Satan wants to put before you, something that is so luscious and intriguing. So, so he has this conversation. He turns, Eve turns to him. She gives her husband an apple or the fruit. And the moment they bit into it, watch, their eyes are open. Adam's eyes were not the only eyes open. Their eyes were open. There's a truth that God has deposited on the inside of you that the moment your eyes are open, everyone around you eyes open. That's why God wants us to live by his eternal truths, because not only does he want your eyes to open, but everything that is connected to you, he wants eyes open. Y'all ain't catching it yet. God doesn't just want you to come to church and have a good shouting good time. He wants everything connected to you to have a good shouting good time. God just doesn't want you to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He wants everything connected to you to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Oh, if you would hear me this morning, God just didn't want to bring you into the kingdom so you can have a place in God's kingdom. He wants everybody who is connected to your bloodline a part of his kingdom. And their eyes both were open. Both of them. And at this moment, they realized that they were naked. Now, I was asked this question the other day about this text, and then they asked me this question, well, weren't they naked all the time? How did they not know that they were naked? How did they not know? You, the reason why they didn't know they were naked was because God wanted them always to not be conscious of their eternal self, but to be conscious of his eternal self. And, and, and when, when you're more focused on God than yourself, then it's not about you and what you go through. It's about what God is bringing you to. Y'all not getting it yet. Uh, so, so they were so focused on God that they didn't even realize their own frailties. They didn't realize their own iniquities, their own self. That's all they were focused on was God. Didn't even realize that they were walking around naked. And their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked. And watch, they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves Aprons. They tried to cover up a man-made error with man-made methods. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God amongst the trees of the garden. I'm going to place this in your ear just for a second because I've said it before. Did you know that God's voice can walk? 
and they heard the voice of God walking. <laughs> God's voice has legs <laughs> and feet. And he's wearing them new J's. And they heard the voice of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his, and his wife hid themselves from the presence. How can you hide from God? <laughs> they hid themselves from the presence of God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? As if God didn't know. Being omni, omniscient, knowing all things. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. And he said, who told thee that thou was naked? Has thou eaten of the tree? Whereof I commanded thee that thou should not eat? They were naked and Shame. Watch this shame. We feel shame when we violate social norms we believe in. Shame is a powerful thing. Shame makes us direct our focus inward and view our entire self in a negative light. Anybody ever felt shame before? Shame of some action, some activity, something you did, something you said. Have you ever felt shame before? They were naked and unashamed. Shame, shame, watch this. Shame will cause you to isolate yourself. They were naked and ashamed, so they hid themselves. They isolated themselves. They tried to remove themselves from the presence of God. They tried to go to a place where they could not be noticed of God. They hid themselves. Oh, how many times we feel shame and we, we duck out into a place where nobody else can see us, where nobody knows us. We move states, change jobs, find new relationships, new friendships. Change our identity. Why? All because of shame. We isolate ourselves. And there have been studies that have proven that when a person feels such deep shame, that depression comes upon them so great that they would even kill themselves. Shame is powerful. And the moment their eyes were open, they were naked and ashamed. What have we done? And they hid themselves from the presence of God. Shame will cause you to make irrational decisions. <laughs> oh, God. Have you done some stupid stuff? Yes. To cover up the stupid stuff you've done? Yeah. Have you made some decisions to try to hide some things because you messed some things up? Shame will have you doing some irrational things. Make some irrational decisions. Yeah, you know, um, Cain killed Abel because he was ashamed of the sacrifice he brought before the Lord. And that shame caused him to kill his own brother. Irrational decision. What type of decision you have made in your life based upon your shame? I think we all can attest that we've done some things based upon the shame try to cover up things with our own made efforts. 
See, you can't fix a messed up situation with the same messed up mind that got you in the situation in the first place. <laughs> How are you going to fix something you broke with the same crazy mind that broke it? So they made for themselves fig leaves to try to fix the problem, an irrational decision. But not only that, but they tried to hide from God. Can I tell you something this morning, beloved? When you mess up, don't hide. When you mess up, run to the presence of God. Oh, you got to understand God loves you beyond your mess up. And instead of running away from the presence of God, beloved, you ought to put on your track shoes and run into the presence of God. Because it's in his presence that you can find the grace that will cover you in his presence. You'll find the love that will cover the multitude of sins. And instead of running from God, you ought to run to God. Oh, if I could preach in here for a second. Listen, beloved, the things you have done, God already knew that you would do it before you done it. That's why he made a sacrifice before you were even born. Before the foundation of the earth was laid, he already slain the lamb. So how are you going to hide from an almighty God that knows all things? He loves you that much. Somebody shout, he loves me that much. You think God can't win the battle over sin? He wants every battle. He won every battle. He's never defeated. So he can win the battle over sin. He has won the battle over sin. Somebody shout, I'm covered by his grace. It's not no cheap grace. It's very costly. So shame will cause you to make irrational decisions. Genesis, if we drop down in verse number 20. It says, and Adam called his wife named Eve because she was the mother of all living things. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord make coats of skins and clothe them. And the Lord God said, behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. To know good and evil. So what you're saying, preacher, they didn't know good and evil from the start. No. God never intended for you to know good from evil. He just wanted you to know God. Because <laughs> when you know good from evil, there's an eternal wrestling that takes place. <laughs> eternal wrestling because what you know to be good, your flesh wants to do evil. And there's a war that wages on the inside of you, wrestling between what is good and what is evil. And God never intended for you to wrestle with good and evil. He just wanted you to know God. And if you know God, then you know what is good and you don't have to worry about evil. Amen. Somebody ought to say amen again for that. Amen. Somebody shout, I need to know God. That's why this world is in the mess it's in now is because we're wrestling between what's good and what's evil. And sometimes your flesh get the best of you and you lean more to what is evil than what is good. So then you feel shame. I shouldn't have slept with her. I shouldn't have stole what I stole. I shouldn't have said what I said. Oh, y'all quiet up in here. And that shame now causes you now, instead of you running to the grace of God, we run and we try to hide. Isolate ourselves. Did you eat of the tree? Of good and evil? And now at least 
he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Watch. They ate of the tree of good and evil, and God put them out for a purpose. Somebody shout, what's the purpose? God put them out of the garden for the purpose of them not living forever with the struggle of eternal truth of good and evil. He kicked them out because he didn't want them to wrestle with the idea of what's good and what's evil for eternity. Oh, God. Somebody shall we go in deep. He didn't want them uh, to have eternal knowledge of good and evil that they will wrestle. So when we spend eternity with God, God doesn't want us wrestling around his throne. Is this right or is that wrong? Is this right or is that wrong? Should the angels and the cherubims go around his throne? Should they do it this way or that way? God says, before I allow you to judge what is right and what is wrong for eternity, I would kick you out of my presence. Y'all quiet. And he puts them out the garden. He kicks them out. But before he does, he clothes them. He covers what they tried to cover. He he kills an animal, which is the second death recorded in scriptures. Oh, God. Not the first, but the second. You know what the first death recorded in Scripture? Was Adam and Eve. Well, how were they dead? He said, if you eat of the tree, you shall die. Death took place the moment they ate of the tree. They died spiritually. Second death. So God sacrifices an animal. He clothes them. You know, God is a fashion designer. I see. They even agree. God is a fashion designer. and He, he designed and fashioned clothing. Watch this. Clothing that not only would cover the body, but clothing that would cover the soul. He, he designs a, a clothing that not only will cover up the nakedness of their physical flesh, but he covers up their souls that are sinful. He makes these clothes and formed and fashioned that you see with your visible eye, but there's something spiritually even far greater. He's a fashion designer. Better than Versace. Michael's Kors. You know, he's, he's a fashion designer. And therefore, the Lord God sent them forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence they were taken. So he drove out the man and placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims with a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. God's fashion design covers more than the body. It covers the soul. We are not only covered with the blood of the lamb for forgiveness. We are also clothed in his righteousness. Can you say amen to that? Because here's the thing. Our righteousness is as filthy rags in the presence of God. So what Christ did was he gave you his robes and took on your robe. 
what Christ did was he, he took your outfit and gave you a new outfit so that you can be covered. Somebody shout, cover me. Uh, God wants you covered. Why? Because Satan is prowling around. And if you're in your clothing, Satan can identify you as who you are and he will attack you as you are. But when you're clothed in the righteousness of God, he can't touch you. Oh, so he gives you a, robe, uh, a wardrobe change so that you can be covered. Somebody shout cover me. God wants you covered. He wants you covered. Christ died on the cross so you can be covered. Naked, but covered by his grace. Nakedness exposes you. Nakedness tells the reality of who you really are. That's why we try to hide behind masks. And I'm not talking about the COVID mask. Nakedness exposes everything about you. Nakedness tells what you really are thinking. How dark your heart really is. Nakedness exposes everything. And watch, God created us to be naked. He didn't want us hiding behind fig leaves, hiding behind bushes. Watch this, hiding behind our own identities. Uh, you know, we created some new identities. Oh, I'm going to pick on you for a second. God gave you nice hair and you covered up with a wig. Walk lightly. Tread lightly. I feel a tomato thorn spirit on this side. Let me move over here. You get liposuction. So, so we try to hide ourselves behind new identities. Watch to fit social norms and conventions. All, all to fit into what the world standards are. We, we create ourselves a new identity. We give ourselves new names. And now when God calls our name, we don't even respond to it. Why? Because we become somebody else. We cover ourselves up so we can fit in with others. When God never intended for you to fit in, he intended for you to stand out. Oh, y'all don't want to. So he covers us. Somebody shout, he covers me. See, there's a difference between guilt and shame. A difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is a feeling from an action that affected someone else negatively. Negatively. Shame is how we view yourselves or ourselves from a negative action. Guilt is when I've done something and I feel remorse or guilt because I've done it to you. But shame is I see myself in a negative light. Remember, shame will isolate you. Shame will make you make irrational decisions. Shame will make you insolvent. What is insolvent? Insolvent is what calls you to pay a debt that you cannot pay. Will cause you to pay a debt that you cannot pay. That's what shame will do. 
Oh, beloved, but I thank God for Jesus. For paying a price that I could not pay. I thank God for Jesus who bore my sins on the cross, who took my shame and exchanged my shame in for the fact that I can now be accepted in him. Oh, listen, beloved, Jesus died on the cross naked. They tried to shame Jesus by exposing his nakedness, not knowing that in his exposure was his restoration. Okay, let's see it. Mark chapter number 15, verse number 24, and I'm done. I wish the musicians were here to play so we can get out of here. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them that every man should take. They thought uncovering Jesus, it would bring shame, but it was with his nakedness he reclaimed. Oh, God. They thought by exposing his nakedness, he would be shamed, but it was in his nakedness he reclaimed. What did he reclaim? What you thought was a rejection is God's acceptance. What you tried to hide, he recovered. He reclaimed your nakedness on the cross by exposing the plot, the plan, and the snare of the enemy. He exposed it. The weak of Satan's strategy he exposed it and watch this with his nakedness he clothed you but you were clothed by grace only to be naked in his presence yet again he recovered your nakedness so you don't have to hide anymore you don't have to cover yourself up anymore He's covered you. See, your outer clothing covers your naked body. But truth of the matter is, you're still naked, but yet you're covered. And what Jesus did on the cross is, he recovered your nakedness, but he clothed you in the garments of righteousness. He exchanged your filthy rags for his righteous rags. There was an exchange. Y'all remember the prodigal son? The prodigal son? Who asked for his inheritance before his time? Came to himself while he's in the pig pen eating slop. And he said, I've sinned against my father in heaven and my father. And I'll go back to him and ask him if I can only be a slave in this house. And the Bible says that when he came to himself, he woke up and he started to head home to his father. And in a far off distance, I feel the Holy Ghost. In a far off distance, the father sees him. And the father girds his loins. It's a beautiful picture of the father. Uh, because in the Jewish culture... Jewish men were very dignified. They wouldn't even show their legs in public. But this father loved the son enough. 
He became so indignant. He didn't care who was watching. He pulls up his garments. And with those poor legs, he began to go into a very brisk trot. Running from the house porch down a dusty road. He shows his nakedness. Watch to cover his son's nakedness. Woo. So he approaches the sun in a mad sprint. And when he gets to the sun, he covers him. Put on a robe on his body. Now hear this, beloved. The son comes home in shame. Because he has defiled the family name. He's shamed. And anytime you bring shame to the family name in their culture, the consequences are stoning. And the father, come in, Nick. And the father sees his son. And he covers him. Why does he put a covering on him? Because he deserves death. He deserves to be stoned. And the town people are ready to stone him because they heard of all the things that his son has done. You know when you do wrong, bad, bad news travels fast. So they heard, and they said, oh, he's coming home. We're going to get him now. We're going to stone him. And the father covers him. The father exposes his nakedness to cover the son's nakedness. So if they were to stone him, to get to him, you got to get to me. I get to To get to him, you got to go through me. And he covers his nakedness. But he takes it a step further. He's covered by grace. So the thing that he lost is now restored. Put a ring on his finger. Oh yeah, he messed up the family name, but we're going to give him a name back. Put the ring on his finger. We're going to not only... Allow him to come back in the house, but we're going to restore all the rights of the house. Uh, but, but then we need to put some sandals on his feet because barefooted people signified that they were slaves. But to have shoes meant they were masters. Go and get some shoes and put some shoes on his feet. Because no longer is he a slave, but he is still my son. Somebody shout, I'm covered. God by the grace of Christ covers us we're wrapped in grace clothed in righteousness now watch up under this garment is still filth still wretchedness but because we are covered in grace what you thought you know you don't know nothing about it. What you think you know about me, you don't know about me. Why? Because I'm covered. 
That's all you see is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Somebody's child uncovered. If you would bow your heads with me, I believe there's somebody in the house today. Shame has gotten you to a place and a point in your life where you're trying to hide from God. Shame has you in a place in God right now where you don't even want to lift your hands. You don't want to worship God because of shame. Today, God is restoring your place in Him and He's giving you a wardrobe change. Today, you're covered by grace. The mercy of God, the righteousness of God clothes you on today. I'm going to pray and in a second, I'm going to ask that you make an important decision today to come from behind the bush, to remove the fig leaves today, to take off the mask. So after I pray, I want you to make a decision. And while I'm praying, you ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart to see if that is you today. Father, now in the name of Jesus, I declare, God, that nakedness is our outfit of choice today. That, Father, we would expose ourselves before you, God. For you already know, God, the inward parts, the deepest thoughts of our hearts and our minds. You know our actions and our deeds long before we even do them. And, Father, today I would ask, God, that you expose us shine the light upon us so that we can make a decision to follow you. Father, I bless you. I thank you. If you're here today and shame has gotten you to a place of isolation, insulating yourself, shame has you in a place of making irrational decisions. Today, Christ is here to pay the debt that you could not pay within yourself that's you today you say that's me I want to make a decision today in the part of your sins backslid where the place you come from of shame today he's calling your name if that's you slip your hand in the air right now thank you father I see you there any others today today is the day I'm coming out of this place of shame this place of humility today I'm walking in his grace by his grace covered by his grace if that's you today Slip your hand in there. Any others? I see you, sir. I see you, ma'am. Any others today? I see you, sir. Any others? Backslidden, coming back today. You're the prodigal son on the road. The father is running after you. The father is covering you today. If that's you today, lift your hand. Coming back home today, if that's you. Thank you, Father. We bless you. God, we give you glory. And God, we give you praise. I see you, sir. Any others today? Any others today? Can we all stand to our feet if we would? Thank you, Father. Woo. I love you, Jesus. Woo. My God. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Father. You're standing in need of prayer today. You need God to move in your life. We have the altar open. We'll leave it open even after service, after we dismiss. But for those of you who are standing in need of prayer, 
and those of you who have responded to this altar call today, if you would step out the aisle, for whatever reason, if you're coming down for prayer or if you're coming down to accept Christ and to renew your relationship with Him, step out the aisle today. Come down. One of our intercessors will pray with you. Regardless if you're standing in need of prayer, coming down in response to the altar call on today, coming out of the place of shame, humiliation, to be covered by His grace, to be covered by His righteousness. If you lifting your hand or standing in need of prayer, would you come? Thank you, Father. God, we bless you. God, we thank you. Your grace extends from here to there, God. For those who responded, God, and have not moved, God, we thank you. Your grace is covering them even now. We bless you, God. And we give you the glory. It's in Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Come on, y'all. Clap your hands. Give God some praise. Jesus. Come on, lift your hands all over this place. If you don't have a church home and the Spirit of God has drawn you to this place, I want you connected to the body of Christ. I'm going to pray and I'm going to make another appeal. With your hands lifted as a sign of yielding and surrendering to God. And if you know that you, you have been disconnected from the church, I'm going to pray, pray a bold prayer in the midst of your surrendering that God will prick your heart and connect you to the body of the Father now in the name of Jesus. With all our hands lifted, we yield ourselves to your Holy Spirit, God. And Father, I pray, God, with yielded hearts today that you will search us, God, and for those who are disconnected from you, God, connect them to the body of Christ. They don't have a church home, God, I pray today that you would draw them and connect them with this family of faith. Search their hearts even now, God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. If you're here today and you don't have a church home, lift up one hand real high and God is calling you to connect you to the body of Christ here in faith to elevate. If that's you, lift your hand. And wave it at me today. God, we thank you. God, we bless you. And God, we give you praise. Amen and amen. One last time, clap your hands and give God some praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We're going to close out in prayer and song for all of our first time, second time, even third time guests. Amen. I would love to shake your hand, meet you, and greet you in the foyer. 
Amen. God bless you. God keep you. It's our prayer. Hallelujah. Father God, we thank you for allowing us to come here today, Lord God, and receive your word, Lord God. We thank you for allowing us to come and worship you, Lord God, in our hearts. And Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would give us, Lord, direction on this week, Father God. Show us exactly what you want us to do, Lord God. Give us opportunities to minister to your people right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God. We thank you for traveling grace, and we thank you for being who you are in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Oh, 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 oh,